Hey everybody, uh, welcome to The Gap, episode 621. It's Friday the 8th of July, and my name is Joe Gilroy. I'm rolling solo today. Uh, I don't know, um, Lukey couldn't make it. He's got some things happening. So it's just me. Uh, so if you tuned in for the Luke show, just fucking skip this one, eh? It's just not worth sticking it out for. It's just... It's all me, all the time, all the way. Means I'll be answering any questions. I can see the little dot on our Discord that says we've got a question, at least one. I don't know, maybe, maybe multiple. Um, but yeah, also I won't be able to distract Luke uh, and drag him wildly off topic, um, which is what I usually do. Anyway, so uh, we might just jump straight in to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the first thing I was going to talk about this week was Raft. Um, so just keep, I'm I'm trying to, like, Luke Luke does so much for this podcast. Luke does everything on this podcast, eh? Right? Uh, but one of the things he does is he timestamps. You know, I don't know if you go to our website. You probably just download this via an RSS feed or something, right? Or... Better still via a podcast downloading app, right? But uh, he's got like, he does these timestamps on every episode. And uh, last time I did a solo cast, I did not do the timestamps. And then I had to sit through the fucking podcast to go and do the timestamps. It was ridiculous. Uh, so I'm going, to, I'm trying to do it like he does. I'm trying to, you know, lift to his level, which uh, is, is a challenge, but. Uh, one of the things, yeah, I figured I'd do is is the fucking timestamps. So now I've put a timestamp down for Raft, uh, but I've spent the last fucking minute, like literally a minute, looking at the timestamp and the time now, uh, not talking about Raft. So that's fucking good, but whatever. Anyway, I played uh, played some more Raft. Was playing with uh, Doctor E Three Money and Heath and. Gray Squirrel, those that that was the four person raft team we had going, but uh, what happened was I think I think Goofball, that's Heath, um, he got bored with it I think, or I think he had a race or something I don't know, and Squirrel just didn't show up, which is pretty classic Squirrel. Uh, one thing I don't know if I told this story last week, but holy shit, it made me laugh. It made me laugh so much. So. Those two drifted away, but before they did, uh, drifted away is the operative term there because at one point while we were sailing, and we'd, we'd got our raft going pretty well uh, at this point, but it was we still didn't have engines yet. Uh, so we had a lot of stuff, just no engines. Uh, we would eventually get engines and everything we re- require to power those engines. But uh, at this point, we were still sailing, uh, via wind power. Anyway, uh, bloody the shark. So there's a shark in rafts. It's the sort of the constant menace that keeps you on your toes, right? Because otherwise it'd be very easy to sort of just casually drift throughout the uh, throughout the, the ocean. Uh, we called the shark Doris, but we found out in canon it's called Bruce. Bruce is the name of the shark in Jaws. Uh, that's the name they gave to the animatronic shark in Jaws. It's also the name of 
Is it Jeffrey Rush's shark in Finding Nemo, I think? Anyway, uh, it's a classic. I, when I watched Finding Nemo, I didn't realise it was a... I didn't realise Bruce was a Jaws reference. I thought Bruce was a, fi- uh, a Monty Python reference, right? Because they always used to call, you know, like every Aussie bloke uh, is... His name is uh, Bruce, and all the ladies are Sheilas. So there's Bruce's and Sheilas in the Monty Python Australia. And so I thought Bruce, because it was Jeffrey Rush, and he was doing his broad Australian accent for the shark, I thought they were making a Monty Python reference. Later I found out. I was wrong, and it was a Jaws reference. Well, maybe it was both, but I'm pretty sure it was primarily a Jaws reference. <sighs> anyway, uh, so we got Doris... Uh, chomping on the chomping on the bloody raft at the back. I don't know what it was, but Doris always went for our. We had these like drift nets that sort of just caught trash because you use a lot of you use a lot of trash uh, throughout the course of raft, uh, and the the ocean is littered with trash. And you can generally. I actually, like, I, I don't think you're supposed to use this uh, as, as a method. Like, it's supposed to sort of be like the entire fucking ocean is just covered in trash. But I'm sure it's, you know, a limitation of the engine or something. But the game would only render trash on your current trajectory. So you wouldn't actually be surrounded by trash in every fucking direction. I keep saying trash. We don't call it trash, don't we? We call it fucking rubbish. Fucking rubbish. You go down the fucking tip with all the fucking rubbish. You go down, uh, what do they call it? Trash heap? Garbage dump? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so yeah, got all this fucking rubbish. And yeah, it only sort of renders rubbish in your current direction, which I. I actually used to determine which fucking way we were going for a long time. Um, like, it'd go a little bit broader than, like, maybe a couple of squares. Like, I think f- maybe 10 squares. You sort of measure distance in squares uh, in raft, but like, relative to your own boat because your boat is built up of these squares, these square pieces of raft basically so if you've got like a fucking 10 grid raft a 10 square raft rather uh that's like 10 across right and if it's 10 up uh then theoretically you've got 100 fucking 100 squares right and that's important to know because the engine's power one engine powers 100 fucking tiles uh, 100 fucking squares so you want to know how many fucking squares you've got on your raft. It's important uh, to, to be aware of this. Anyway, so one of the things you do is you, you drop these drift nets behind you. You can get be- bigger and better ones, but by the time we unlock them, I mean, the re- what they required to build and the potential return just wasn't worth doing. Um, so we just had the basic nets. And the shark always went for the fucking nets. Doris loved to eat the nets. And at one point, I'm pretty sure this is how it went down. I actually didn't see it happen. I just saw the the aftermath, right? Because me and Drew were desperately trying to keep this fucking boat going, right? Uh, Because it gets hairy. It's, It's like 
It's one of those interesting games, like it's very carefully balanced. What makes Raft really work is, is that it's very carefully balanced so that you've got an economy that you're managing and you always sort of expand to the limit of your economy or even just past the limit. We, we By the time we got engines, to get engines going, because we had more than 100 squares, we needed two engines running. Um, so we actually expanded beyond uh, the limit of our economy. Like We weren't really uh, capable of running two engines, uh, but we did it anyway because we needed two engines to move our fucking to move our fucking boat, right? So we didn't have a choice. But you always expand your 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 personal uh, boat management always lifts to or beyond the capacity of your current uh, garbage economy, rubbish economy. So uh, that's basically what's happening. The reason we didn't have the capacity for two engines is because we didn't have enough fucking honey to make enough biofuel to power the engines. But what we did have was just straight up wood. Uh, I'd spent a little bit of time just floating about like getting fuck tons of wood. And you could burn wood in the engines. It was grossly inefficient, but it was better than nothing. And so you could run two engines but it was fucking, it was costly. It was, it is not how you would run your boat economy, really. Uh, like it, it, to compare it to, you know, it, it's it's a bit like when you're playing Satisfactory and uh, yeah, you, you sort of ride at the fucking, ride at the limit of how much power you can use. And one of those, it's one of those ones where like any sort of dip in power generation will completely fuck your entire network, like completely fuck your entire network. But until you can like go beyond, until you can make more power plants, you don't really have a choice. You've sort of just got to fucking, like you can either kill your production efficiency or or you can live on the fucking edge, right? And that's what's, that's kind of one of the things that's fun, right? Like, is, is living on the edge. And then, and also another thing that's fun is blaming uh, Drew and Luke when your production comes grinding to a halt because the power dips. Because you know me and Johnny Bravo aren't making anything fucking good worth worth powering in Satisfactory. We're not doing any, like we're just making fucking spaghetti fucking treadmills. They don't take power, right? So it's not us doing it. It's fucking Luke and... Dr. E3 Money making fucking some kind of crazy new fucking machine that's building fucking whatevers. And like every time I ever built any kind of factory in Satisfactory, I remember I remember we argued about it, right? I made a super fa- uh, supercomputer factory that was one, like just barely, just barely like doing its job. It was doing its job. It was making supercomputers, right? And then fucking, and, and it was independently powered i'll have you fucking know independently powered but fucking freaking fracking never let you fucking know about it right they were just mad that that i was using using stuff inefficiently or something but i was making supercomputers that's all that fucking mattered at the end we just needed super it didn't matter like oh we, we were making one supercomputer an hour instead of we could have been making you know 1.8 super no i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck we're making any supercomputers 
And so we are more efficient than not making any at all. And it was power independent, so I don't want to fucking hear it. Anyway, where was I on the rafting? Oh, yeah, so so the fucking... So Doris always eats the fucking... The nets, right? And uh, just, like, gravitates to them. I think it's because they're more expensive than regular, like, raft squares. Uh, and so I think she's, like, you know, I, I don't think... Uh, I don't think Doris is a sentient shark. I don't think she was like, this is this is going to fuck those. <laughs> oh, I'll fucking stitch these cunts up. I'm going to eat their fucking nets. I think just in terms of AI, the, the shark was, you know, lured towards whatever would be most expensive and available because uh, she could only bite things that were close to the water. Anyway, so she attacked it. And me, me and Drew are fucking desperately trying to keep this fucking... This boat going, we're like it, it, it when it when it was fucking hairy, right? Uh, when it was super hairy, and and I like we didn't have engines at this point, but it was still super hairy. We were still at the at the absolute limit of our fucking economy because we still we had all these fucking furnaces going, and that that used a lot of wood. Uh, we had like these fucking. These uh, grills going, cooking fucking fish and stuff. And like th th with four people, your economy actually uh, takes a real big hit because you've got to fucking feed all of them. Uh, food is a constant problem. Water is a constant problem. So you're fucking managing all that shit. And yeah, so we're fucking spinning plates. We got fucking so many plates spinning. And uh, uh, Skrull standing at the back of the boat doing fucking nothing like literally nothing i actually assumed he was afk because every time like i'd only see him in glances but i'd be fucking sprinting all over this fucking boat and then i'd see him standing there doing nothing again uh and then i'd be like it doesn't fucking matter right like at worst right he's going to come back to his computer and eat food and drink our water uh but if he's not actively moving He's not gonna like. He, he's not gonna be pissing away our resources building fucking fairy lights and stuff, which is literally what he was doing. He, like, it was very pretty. Uh, he made a boat very pretty, but it was a gross waste of resource. We just didn't have. Uh, we just never had the resources. Um, and it wasn't even a toilet. Heath made a toilet. We didn't need a toilet. Uh, there's no toilet time in that game. So, anyway. Anyway, so um, he's just standing there and fucking Doris attacks, but Heath's right there and Heath's fishing. Heath fucking stabs him and uh, kills Doris and decides to like leap off to collect Doris's shark meat because shark meat's fucking fantastic. It's like, it's one of the best foods in the game. It's, it's quick to cook and... Yeah, it gives you so much fucking food. So much of your food meter back. The, yeah, you may as well do it. So uh jumps off. But he doesn't say anything. And Squirrel doesn't say anything. And we just sort of fucking floated away. Like we just fucking... Away we go. And by the time we realize Heath's not with us, because he's upset because we left him... Uh, yeah, I turn back and, f and like, 
Heath's drowned. He must. I don't know how he did it. I I don't know how he drowned. But I'm like, fucking squirrel, what the fuck happened? He's like, oh yeah. Heath jumped off the boat. I'm like, why didn't you fucking say anything? He's like, well, I'm saying something, aren't I? It was incomprehensible, right? He just didn't, like, just didn't give a shit. Not a single fuck was given. He's just like, yeah, well, I don't know. He can look after himself. No, evidently he cannot. Anyway, so uh, he died. I had to go fucking, I had to leave off the boat myself, swim over and pick him up. Because if you respawn, you lose like two thirds of all your inventory. It's just devastating. Um. So anyway, that was very entertaining. I that's my favorite story from Raft. But we did finish the game. Uh, I thought the game like we we it sort of. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. There was like a a ramp up, and then it just sort of ended. Like there was. It very quickly came to a close. It felt like they'd sort of gotten jack of the entire experience and they're just like, eh, fuck it. Let's just wrap this shit up. And that's what they did. Um, but yeah, so they sort of went like... The city... There was a city. Uh, Tangaro, I think it's called. And that was the last place that we went to at the end of... Uh, at the end of the last time we played Raft, which I think must have been like a year ago or just over a year ago. Um, yeah, that was the last time we actually did any rafting uh, and it finished at Tangaroa and we like we couldn't go anywhere after that. But after after Tangaroa, there, are, there was more, more to it. And so, yeah, there were a couple of, couple of locations that we were able to go to. I think three more locations... Uh, after that, and we got there, we wrapped, we we pounded through them. This, I think it was the second, no, third last place after Tangaroa was sort of like a um, a high rise, like a skyscraper, uh, like a pair of them, and obviously the bulk of it took place underwater. But there was a bit of like fucking about on on top of this skyscraper, and then like deep underwater, there was a big boss fight, which was a pretty Decent boss fight. Um, pretty interesting. We wasted a lot of time trying to work out how to do it. Uh, we ruined... Because uh, it was underwater, we needed fucking... We needed like oxygen bottles and flippers and they degrade. Um, we, we pissed those away before we'd even finished our like the fight. It got to a point where like I needed like... Yeah, I, I used one of my spare water bottles to build a new oxygen bottle mid-fight just to so we could get through this shit. We did get through it, which is cool. Um, and, yeah, it was, a, it was a cool fucking fight. Got a giant trophy out of it. Um, after that, there, like, you went to this snow area. That was pretty interesting, but I, I, I don't know. It was, like, it was almost... No, it was entirely above ground. There were snowmobiles and it sort of felt like one of those like way back in the day uh, when you play like a an action game and it'd have like a gimmick level. That's what it felt like. Like I don't know, like you're playing a James Bond game and like suddenly now you're now you're on snowmobiles. Um, yeah, it just felt way out of place. Um, 
But it's sort of expanded. Like, it's sort of, I guess it's sort of expanded the, the lore, the world building of the game. Um, and then the final place that you go to is Utopia. And there was, that was, that was okay. Um, the final boss fight was just sort of tedious. It wasn't very interesting. And, uh, Raft's not like, despite dealing in some pretty heavy duty shit, it's a pretty kid friendly game. And so the fight, like when you beat the final, the boss of the final boss, um, yeah, he sort of like gets tangled in some rope and hangs upside down like the fucking, like he's a fucking Scooby-Doo villain or some shit. Uh, which, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was a bit lame. Um, he was clearly, like the man was clearly a monster and he deserved something worse than that. But yeah, uh, like I said, like kid-friendly. Uh, a lot of like, yeah, I thought the, the final boss fight was, yeah, tedious, kind of, kind of, week um just lengthy we went into it i would say under equipped uh but we managed to do it anyway like i I never felt i think i died once throughout the entire game and i think it was from fall damage um like just yeah i just biffed biffed it on a jump though my favorite thing about raft I think at the end of the day, it would probably be the puzzle platforming. Because it is, it was like sort of very unforgiving in terms of its its platforming. It sort of reminded me of a bit of like Half-Life in that it would show you where you needed to go and then it sort of just expected you to get there. Nowadays, like everything's got a fucking, you see those those that spray-painted yellow ledge with ropes hanging down or some shit. Um, and, yeah, like, that that's the correct place to climb and stuff like that, and don't try to climb anywhere else. Whereas this is just sort of like, hey, you know what you're capable of, right? You know you can, you can jump this high and this far, and you can sort of, like, lift yourself up on certain ledges, uh, or in certain certain ways, so that's it. Go and do it. Get up, get up the fucking top of this skyscraper. And yeah, like to get to the top of that skyscraper, you need to make three pretty fucking precision jumps. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I really like puzzle platforming. I liked it in fucking Elden Ring as well. That I was quite like that fucking that sequence on the skyscraper reminded me a lot of there's a tower in Elden Ring that requires some pretty precision jumping. And I don't I think Raft has far better, far more precise jumping than Elden Ring. Uh but yeah, nevertheless, uh I think it sort of like it works. It works for me because it feels like it feels exploratory, even though it's sort of a known quantity. You know where you need to go. You still need to make the jumps, right? One of the things I liked about Destiny as well. You still like, yeah, you still need the mechanical fucking capabilities to make these fucking jumps. Otherwise, you can't do it. It does make me wonder, right? Because I don't know if kids can make these fucking jumps. They're pretty precise. Drew took fucking 45 minutes to make these fucking jumps. So. I don't know, hey. Um, to you know, hey, Drew will get mad. 
Drew will get mad if I don't point out that I also failed some pl platforming uh, platforming section for a little while. It did take me about five minutes to get through a platforming section on Utopia that Drew nailed in one go. Uh, but, uh, you know, at least I got there eventually. Uh, yeah. Drew. I don't know if Drew ever made it up that fucking... I think I just... I think I just made the jumps and then climbed the crane and then dropped the thing and he was able to skip having to do those jumps. I think that's how that happened. I'm pretty sure. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I like the puzzle platforming. I enjoyed the, the survival aspects. I thought it did quite well uh, at that. I don't see... I've uninstalled it because there's no point in continuing to play. That was like... It was quite weird when you beat the final boss, you unlock like all these new items and stuff. But first of all, they use resources that uh, we found in such small amounts that uh, they didn't seem like worth it. We've, oh, we've, so we got the blueprint for this like advanced zipline thing that would allow you to like go up a zipline. And I thought for sure, right, that was after like the, the, the final boss fight had like three stages to it and that was after the first stage of the boss fight i think and i thought for sure we were going to utilize that so i built both of us zip lines using all of our titanium which was our extremely scarce uh material and then we never fucking needed it that was i found that quite frustrating uh and also like that seems like a really cool concept so why wouldn't we get the opportunity like why wouldn't you build it in and also why wouldn't you like at least require one to be built right just have them build one and then they could fucking drop the ladder right and like drop the one person because like i understand not wanting like you wouldn't want people to have shown up to the final area with not enough titanium to build this fucking thing, right? Because that'd suck. Because you'd have to fucking float away and find some. And nobody, that'd, I'd like, I don't know. I would contemplate fucking quitting. I wouldn't want to fucking go somewhere and then come back. Especially because titanium, finding titanium is so RNG dependent. Uh, you got to find, like, you got to have a metal detector and then find, like, a fucking suitcase. But I reckon fucking eight times out of ten when I used the metal detector, I would find like junk, not a suitcase. So that was quite, yeah, that would have been quite, that's why we had so fucking little of the stuff in the first place. But if you'd only required one, right, it would be reasonable to expect people to have, I think it was like three titanium for one of these things, right? And if they didn't, that's kind of their, on them, right? Like you at that point in the game you should be keeping a little bit of everything in reserve because uh, that's because you never know when something's going to break uh, or whatever right so you got to be fucking prepared for that shit so I don't think that would be unreasonable and I think it kind of sucked that we never got to fucking use that thing but nevertheless we didn't we unlocked titanium weapons and didn't have the titanium to build them. Didn't have... It didn't, like, create some new way to just find fucking titanium easily or either. So, yeah. And it would have been kind of aimless. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. We were, we were kind of done. But it was still... 
don't know, cool. It was like overall a good game. I would recommend it, especially in Cobb. 100% in Cobb. I think it would be, uh, I don't know, kind of lonely. I, if you were listening to a podcast or something, I think it could be quite chill, like a very chill fucking game. Uh, the the aspects where you're barely managing to keep your boat economy afloat, <laughs> uh, those aren't, they're stressful, but they're not fucking, they don't require a lot of fucking mental capacity. So I think you could sort of, if you were to, I don't know, like fucking reef back and just operate at 75% efficiency, it would be a game where you sort of, you'd sort of just drift and you'd like, you'd drift from, from location to location. Yeah, we, we were, it was hectic for us because we were attempting to fire on all cylinders. But if you didn't have your fucking foot all the way on the gas, it, yeah, there were like even even when we were fucking hectic, there were still like huge moments where it was just sort of chill and just sort of like on the open ocean, very cool. Um, yeah, the sound of the waves and stuff like that. I, I would definitely recommend it. I would like overall. I think it's a good game and. It's worth a shot, worth a play, uh, but definitely better in comp than it was in uh, would be in solo. Anyway, that's that. Um, what's next? We've got Pronti. Let me just put a fucking timestamp in. This is gonna, these timestamps gonna be wrong because I need to start on like at zero zero. I don't know how the fuck Luke does this. Honestly, I don't know how he does it. Um, he must have some sort of system. There must be some part of this fucking situation that I'm missing. That is, anyway, Pronzi. Bought this in the Steam sale. I was talking about it last week. Uh, very intrigued to give it a, a punt, a ponty, a punty. Um, yeah, a Metroidvania, but underwater. You're sort of like this underwater protector type deal. Uh, it looked really cool. In practice, I just didn't have a lot of, f I, I haven't been having a lot of fun with it. Um, I wouldn't say I didn't have a lot of fun because that sort of, I feel, implies that I'm not going to continue playing it. But I am. I'm intrigued. But it just feels kind of slow. Uh, like, yeah, you move at this glacial pace and I don't know, you're, you're a fish dude, right? Like it just feels like shouldn't you be more agile in the water than this? Um, so yeah, it just feels kind of, yeah, like, let's go already, come on. Uh, I just wanted to, to ramp up the pace, but it, it is a Metroidvania, so I'm pretty confident I will find a, uh, like some, I'll get some sort of dash ability or something, right? Like, that's, that's how that shit works. You get a dash ability and it really speeds everything up a bit. That's what I'm hanging out for. Uh... So far, yeah, like, I don't fully understand the, the story of it, I guess. Uh, you're you're a fish dude and you're a protector of the humans, I think, and uh, there's a giant fish that's coming to attack your fish dude, like, kingdom. Um, so I don't know why you being a, uh, a protector of the humans is relevant, but... It seem, seems to be 
a part of it. Um, maybe I, I didn't understand it probably. Something about robots. You've got like a robot fish that helps you out and stuff and you command it and stuff. That's pretty cool. I, I like uh, I like the, the fish aspects because it sort of adds like a almost a twin stick like shooter element to it because you sort of you move around like i said quite slowly with the left thumbstick but you've also got your right thumbstick and that's sort of where you send your robot fish and the robot fish does the attacking for you uh you don't do the attacking yourself it seems um so yeah i, I think that's pretty cool because yeah this is like you know uh there's a bit of a abstract element to it. You know, you're a bit disconnected there, which, yeah, I like. Um, the, like, uh, the part, there's part of me that's like, oh, I wonder if you'll get other fish, like robot fish. Maybe that's like an upgrade part. It's sort of, that's that's not exactly what happened. It's sort of what happened in, in Ender Lilies, which is a, uh, um, Metro Van Era really liked last year. I thought was really good. Um, you know, like the a lot of the a lot of that game was about getting you, like you 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 didn't attack. Uh, personally, you you had like you sort of commanded. You're this little uh, girl, and you had, like commanded these ghosts to sort of attack for you. Uh, I. I actually think it's a cool idea, but uh, this would be quite different in practice because of the twin stick nature. Maybe, maybe there's a I don't know there's a robot fish that it isn't commanded by twin stick or something. I, I I honestly I don't know. I don't know enough. I haven't played enough because I got distracted playing other things. However, uh, I'm. I'm iffy on it so far. We'll see. We'll see. I'll get back to you. So next up, we've got Gwent Rogue Mage. Here's another one that I haven't really played enough of, I think, to really make a call on. But uh, this came out today. It was announced yesterday. It came out today. And uh, yeah, I decided to, you know, it's it's a, it's a roguelike, deck builder but based in Gwent and I like my deck building roguelikes so I'm like oh yeah fucking give me give it to me like chuck it in my veins it's like 14 bucks um and I I liked Gwent enough not enough to go ham on collecting all the cards in the middle of the Witcher 3 and not enough to really get into playing the multiplayer vote, uh, game but like I, yeah I, I thought it was a cool idea and like well executed and uh they clearly put a lot of fucking effort into it so um i appreciate it for what it was and so yeah i'm like uh, i'll give it a fucking keys um yeah so far though i don't know the readability of it isn't very good like it's if you're not very familiar with quaint uh, I don't think it does a great job of explaining it. It's not how I remember Gwent. I, I remember there being three fucking lanes in Gwent. You had like Siege, Ranged, and Melee. There's no Siege in this. Uh, so that's confusing. 
Um, and yeah, like my big problem with it so far is that like it, it kind of railroads you, um, into like the, the, the initial deck, like when you play other roguelike deck builders, uh, you've got like a really simple first and initial deck and you build that deck out, right? And one of the thing, one of the fucking cool things about uh, those games is when you learn enough to to start like just ignoring everything you get offered. Like that's a real evolution point in a deck building roguelike. Is there a fucking short DBL, DBRL, a DBRL? Yeah, we got that. Um, that still seems like deck building roguelike. Saves me one syllable. Fucking huge gains, baby. Um, yeah, like that that moment when you learn that you can just ignore all the cards that you're being offered. That feels very good. And I'm definitely not there yet in this. But also, it feels like I have such a complex deck already um, that, like... I didn't really get to craft myself. Like, there's a yeah. I I don't know. I I feel like he he, you're in a bit of like you sort of yeah sent down a single path. And the way Gwent works is you want to have enough fucking power. You sort of like you put your cards down and your cards are worth however much. Like I put down a card and it's worth four, and that gives my team four power, right? And they put down a card and it's worth six, and it does two damage to my four power card. So now I've got two power and they've got six. Uh, and I need to have more power at the end of playing all of my cards or else I lose, right? And so the deck that they sort of give you up front, uh, it's uh, like real heavy on the buffs. And and so it seems like what you're doing is learning how to play those, like the order in which you play those cards right but that's not very exciting like in slay the spire the deck they give you up front is has a bunch of like six fucking strikes and six six fucking defends and like two other fucking class specific cards and you work out how to use those class specific cards um as much as humanly possible uh while actively discarding any fucking any strikes in your hand unless you're specifically building towards it um to to like replace them uh and and you replace those cards with something more interesting but that doesn't really seem to be the case here because like there's there's synergies involved <sighs> i don't know i don't know it's just weird um and i don't know if this is the case for all of it but i keep like every time i play a match uh I go first. I remember that being a coin flip, right? But going last is pretty powerful, right? You need to... Because when you go first, right? Sure, you get on the board immediately and whatever. But, like, I think there's, there's like, a, a, a going second advantage in Gwent. Uh, I, I haven't played enough of the fucking multipliers to know if this is for certain. But you do get to choose... If you go seconds, 
right? And they've got if, if you've got fucking seventy three fucking power, and they've got fucking um, I don't know seventy five power, right? Going second means you know exactly what you need to do to win. Like you only need to make up a difference of two points. And if you've got a card that's worth one point, but it does two points of damage, then you're good. Or like you can find you can find a way to win, right? And if you can't find a way to win, then then you can't win. But if you go first, there's no way to find you sort of just you either secured the win or you didn't and you've got no fucking control over that. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, again, I'll play, play some more of it. I think it'll be easier to play more of this than it will be to play more Pronti, uh, which feels a little bit more like it requires a bit more uh, time investment. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just makes me sort of Makes me want to play. There's so many good uh, DBRLs already. Monster Train, Slay the Spire, Downfall, Sword of Inscription. Like there's there's a lot. It's not it's not a uh, it's not a genre that is empty, right? So I don't I don't know. This it it's not killing me. It's not it's not fucking rustling my jimmy so far i'll tell you what but i'll give it a bit more time i'll give it a bit more time i'll come back to you uh if you've got any advice if any like long-term quent players have any advice please absolutely let me know in the fucking discord because i think i need help i i can like read the cards and work that shit out but i definitely feel like i'm not doing everything i could and uh, I think that's hampering my my enjoyment somewhat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's that. Um, what do we got now? Fucking teenage mutant ninja turtles. Uh, Shredder's Revenge. This is a new one out on. Oh, well, it's out on Game Pass, uh, but it came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a side-scrolling brawler. Um, online cop for two to six players. Uh, I was pl we, we played it on the weekends. Uh, me, Heath, and Drew Money just knocking through some, some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. It's fine. It's been getting really good reviews, and that's I, f I find that confusing, to be honest. Uh, not because it's bad, but mostly because, like, it's not that good. Uh, I've got pretty, I guess, high expectations for the brawler genre. Um, but most most of the time when they come out, they just sort of, they're happy to just sort of be, uh, I don't know, retro, right? Like, and that and that's it. You know, like... Oh yeah, right. Remember, remember fucking Ninja Turtles. Fuck yeah, it's a side-scrolling Ninja Turtles game, and that's it. Like that's the end of it, right? Like you you walk right and you bash some stuff and end a list. But like 
the bar for me is Castle Crashes. Castle Crashes to me is like just change the change the landscape for the fucking side scrolling beat em up, right? And maybe it doesn't soup like 100% fit in that fucking in that box, but nothing ever fits exactly in a box. Um but it did so much. It was so clever in the way that it sort of incentivized a wide variety of gameplay for everyone involved that made you just keep on playing because you wanted to see what was next. And that's just not the case in in TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Like, once you've played one level, you've sort of seen all of them. Like, you know what's coming. Like, yeah, you'll, you'll bash some stuff. I was playing as... Um, Michelangelo uh, and he had this jump spin move that honestly like by the end of the game it's I literally just sat there pressing A and X at the same time I didn't have to do anything else like I don't want to criticize the game for being too easy because I think it's simplicity is kind of charming um, but yeah it was way too easy to just fucking jump spin my fucking tits off. Like it was, it was automatic. I was literally just doing it everywhere. I'd just go all over the fucking map doing that shit. Um, and yeah, I mean, I got the most kills every single time because uh, I was fucking, I'm good at games. And also I had the jump spin move and Heath and Drew hadn't worked out their version of the jump spin move yet. But if you can boil it down at just one move, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, I, I would prefer a bit more, you know. Castle Crashes, a lot of it, like, boiled down to just doing the same, like, walking right and fucking mashing attack. A lot of it did, but then you would have all these other little things. And at most, Shredder's Revenge puts you on a fucking hoverboard a couple of times. Uh, but they're not, I, I didn't find those levels to be terribly enjoyable. Uh, and they weren't really different enough, except for the, except for the introduction of like fast oncoming, uh, obstacles for you to dodge. Um, yeah, I, I just didn't find it like that different from the regular gameplay. We had a real problem too with the game not recognizing who was achieving what. Like, it would, each level would have like challenges for you to do. And apart from the fact that you couldn't like pause the game to read those challenges, so you'd have to press the start button and then read them while fucking. While foot soldier dudes were rolling up on you. <sighs> Sorry. Apparently, I find foot soldiers really boring. Um, yeah, well, you know, apart from apart from that, like there's there was like a problem. It'd be like, oh, don't take damage from world obstacles twice, right? Would be a challenge, and I would get through the entire level, like painstakingly avoiding doing exactly that. And then Heath would fall in a fucking pit or something and I would fail. 
And I couldn't work out if our entire group had to achieve these things because it didn't seem that way because you'd have others that would say, oh, achieve, like get 15, 15 jump kills, right? Which I, I could do fucking instantly, right? And I would do it. Or, or it would be 15 jump kills on robots or some shit. And I'd do it and it didn't seem to count. And I don't know. So it seemed like almost like it was like I was achieving it for someone and someone, one of the other party members was achieving it for me. And that, that was a bit weird, but that's probably just a bug. I don't know. It's, it was still, you know, not great, not ideal, but like, yeah, that, it didn't really help with understanding the nuts and bolts of the game. The It also sort of highlight, highlight how shallow the experience generally was because that not even that mattered really like you just do your thing um you just one day fucking bust your way through the fucking the level bust some heads um yeah i don't i don't know i just it like i said it wasn't bad but i think i think the bar's been set Right? How old is fucking Castle Crashes, right? It's pretty old. So, like, how come we haven't seen anything like it again? What's the deal there? Fucking Castle... 2008. Fuck me. That's crazy. Where's the new... Like, yeah, bring us a fucking... Let's go a new fucking Castle Crash. Maybe, maybe they broke the mold. Maybe they broke the mold with fucking Castle Crashes and they're like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's never try and do that again because that was fucking crazy shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would, I would like to see it again. A new Castle Crashes. I love that that idea. I love everything that Castle Crashes did. I think it was so good. Well, they remastered it in twenty fifteen. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's TMNT Shredder's Revenge. It is available on Xbox Game Pass. So, uh, and yeah, I, I think the only reason I'd play it again is if uh, we had six players going because I would love to see that. I think it'd be way too chaotic. I think there would be way too many people on the fucking screen at one spot. I would like to see it anyway. Coolie O. And then we've got the last game for this week, fucking Neon White. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, go to the gapodcast.com. Uh, I wrote a review for Neon White, but uh, I will talk about it a little bit more now. Probably a bit more, quite a bit more. Um, this game has been my obsession for the last week. I felt like so fucking far down the rabbit hole in this game. I picked it up in the... I think I picked it up during the podcast last week, like while we were fucking talking. Uh, like Luke was like, oh, is there anything anything you picked up in the sale that you, you know, you really want to try? And I'm like, no, but there was something that I saw, neon white, yes. And I bought it, played it afterwards. And then I just fucking, I did nothing all weekend. I just played fucking neon white. Um... It's so fucking good. Oh my god. It's ridiculous. It is a puzzle platformer, first person parkour game. Uh you are you're like a, a sinner 
who's been recruited by heaven to kill demons. Um, and whoever does it the fastest will earn a place in heaven for like a week. And that is all you need to know about the story. And when I say all you need to know about the story, I mean, that's all you need. Do not like 100% get neon white. I, it's, it's like in my top five of the year. It would probably be number one, except for the fact that half the game is this visual novel with the cringiest fucking dialogue of all time. And I don't like visual novels. Uh, I said in my review, I don't like them in general. Um, but even for a visual novel, I think this one has unironically bad fucking dialogue. And worse, as I say in my review, uh, I think it actively like harms the game aspect of Neon White. And hey, if you want to take shots at me for, for separating visual novel from the game, fair enough, right? Personally, I do not consider most visual novels to be games, not in a fucking, not in a gatekeeping way. Like if you want to call them games, you go for it, but I don't think of them in those terms. It's not a fucking, it's not a diss at the creators or anything like that. Simply a, a categorization concept that I work with, right? Uh, but yeah, it, it like the visual novel aspect of Neon White does hurt the first-person parkour aspect because the first-person parkour aspect is pure flow state shit. When, when it's working, right, when it is firing on all cylinders, it is one of the fucking, holy shit, best fucking parkour games. It legit feels like you are... I, I, I'm going to stop saying I said this in the review, but uh, like... I compared it to Titanfall 2's The Gauntlet, right? And when you, like, I remember when we were at the, I was at the review event for Titanfall 2 and just out of, like, sort of, I don't know, like, general fucking rivalry and, like, downtime between games and shit like that, a competition did fucking emerge uh, as everyone attempted to put up the best time on that fucking gauntlet. And holy shit, like I was very good at it because I'm very good at games. I don't know if, is there anyone, anyone, would anyone like to dispute that? I'll just wait. No, nobody wants to dispute that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm very good at games, uh, but I'm very good at games, especially in uh, when I'm surrounded by <laughs> my peers. Uh, I still, I, I'm pretty sure I still have video of me absolutely plotting um, like everyone, everyone, my scores during that review event were fucking ridiculous. Uh, but I'd also sort of cottoned on to the essence of Titanfall 2 way faster than everyone else. And so it was very difficult for them to do anything about me because I was wall running. Like I was fucking, I'd worked out how to fucking wall run to the top of the levels, um, before the first day had closed. So I was very good at the gauntlet, but it also just made sense to me. And it was very well constructed. It was a very well constructed level. 
and I didn't. I like you know the fucking the world records and stuff where they're using grenades to fucking bounce themselves forwards and shit. I was nowhere close to that. Um, like I'm not I'm not gonna fucking blow smoke or anything. Like my times were far longer than anything like that, but I was far faster than anyone else doing uh, the gauntlet uh, at this review event just because I fucking love, I love movement in fucking, in first person games. I like that, but also like as an old school Quake player, movement was the fucking differentiator. Like that is the fucking difference between success and failure. Anyone can fucking aim, right? Anyone can fucking aim. Bots can aim, right? But it takes fucking skill to be able to move faster and move in ways people can't predict and do things. And like that, that's actually like commonly how fucking Heath and the other boys we used to play with back in the day on LAN would fuck me up, would be specifically moving uh, inefficiently because, like I said, anyone can aim and anyone can predict where you're going to be and shoot fucking rockets there and stuff like that. And as soon as you're. As soon as you're moving in unexpected ways, that's when you fucking win. That's like, it's it's the fucking, it's the classic. It's the PUBG classic, right? Positioning is fucking everything, right? That's why I love PUBG. Why I always wind up going back to it, even though I know it's fucking bad for me. is because it is the essence of positioning is king. And it's why we fucking smash it fucking hell let loose on a fucking day in, day out basis. Because we are doing stuff that nobody should be doing, right? But as soon as as soon as you do it and it works, if it's stupid but it works, it's not stupid, right? Like that's the fucking thing, right? And that's why nothing we fucking none of these things we do in these games are stupid. Because they fucking work, right? They're unexpected. They are like, it's it's idiotic to run across a fucking open field when you when the front line of the war is fifty meters to your fucking left. But they'd never fucking expect anyone to fucking give it a punt, and if you can get away with it, forget about it. And we do get away with it, right? Fucking crazy shit. Anyway, so movement is movement is the fucking game changer. Is in 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 shooters and that goes all the way back to the old school days as soon as they had a fucking jump button right if you are able to get if you are able to increase your verticality then you were going to be somewhere people would not expect could not expect right you were you were in fucking the third dimension it's fucking wonderful so i love movement in video games i love movement in first person shooters specifically and fucking neon white. Holy shit. It's like a hundred fucking levels of the gauntlet. And the whole time, the whole time, it makes you feel like you are one of those dudes going for the fucking world record in the gauntlet. Not me fucking me smashing the fuck out of everyone else at the review event of Titanfall 2. But like when you watch the world record event, uh, uh, effort on the gauntlet, and they're throwing these fucking grenades and precision fucking shots and all this kind of shit. No, that's that's what it feels like. That's the fucking shit, man. That's how fucking Neon White feels all the fucking time. It's fucking awesome, right? So you, yeah, you're the sinner. 
You've been recruited to kill demons. You've got these cards that have weapons on them. And you play the cards sort of with your left mouse button, which involves shooting them, right? You shoot. They, the cards are guns. And if you press the right mouse button, you use up all of the card, but it has a movement ability. So the pistol allows you to double jump or jump in the air, basically. Um, an extra jump. The uh, submachine gun allows you to stomp, so you'll like you'll go down really fast. And it actually doubles as a bit of a damage one. You can use that to, to kill things. Um, the assault rifle uh, shoots a like basically a, a grenade, uh, a la like grenade jumping in in Quake. Uh, so you, you throw that out there, the orb, and you can bounce off the the orb to get extra height. You can also use that to kill uh, enemies. What else? This, the semi-auto rifle uh, gives you like a, shoots you ahead uh, and anything you come into contact with dies. The rocket launcher gives you a fucking grappling hook. Holy shit. I could not, oh, oh, I thought I was in love with this game. I thought I was in love with this game and I was like seven, maybe like 60 missions in and then you get the fucking the rocket launcher, and I'm like, this is it. This is it. I love this fucking game because it's just they fucking nail it. The fucking the puzzle platforming they create, where you combine rocket jumping and grappling, is just so fucking good. And the like, it it really wrinkles your brain because you know, right? There's there's this point in the game. Well, you fucking know you could really smash some shit if you could just hold on to one of your rocket launchers. You could really fuck shit up because then you would have a grapple, but you'd also have another rocket launcher, so you could still rocket jump. Because as soon as you use that grapple, you don't have the rocket launcher anymore. But if you've got two of those cards. You only use one for the grapple. Holy fuck, man. Like, suddenly, yeah, you're like, okay, well, I get the rocket launcher. It's got four shots. And there's four enemies I have to kill between me and the next rocket launcher. I need some way to kill one of these dudes after I get that rocket launcher. And so you... You like you spend forever. Like I would, I would just sit there, like not even, not even actively playing. I would just sit there, trying to in my mind map out what I would need to do to still be holding that rocket launcher when I got the the next one, and I'd be around a corner, and then I'd like go through the rest, of, and then I'd realize that if I could, if I just snap shots a rocket down and like a, this narrow fucking gap, it would hit that fourth enemy and I'd have kept that rocket launcher the whole time. And it was still, it was a precision shot, but yeah, if you could do it, that's it. It'd be good. It'd be Gucci. You'd be fucking fine. And oh, when you fucking nail that shit and you, you pieced all that together 
Holy fuck. One of the things that makes it work is is there's a leaderboard. When you finish a level, you get a lead you get like a medal based on your time. But there's also a leaderboard that shows you what your friends have scored. And that is such a game changer. Like I sort of wanted when I was first playing, I wanted like the ability to watch a friend's ghost. Like the the like how a, one of my friends did. And when I say friends, I mean people on my Steam list. So if you're on my Steam list and you get neon white, you're gonna see all my fucking times. They're gonna be on the top of your fucking list. I guarantee fucking it. I fucking nailed that shit. But uh, yeah, when you like when you get into it and you give it a run, uh, you yeah you kind of want to watch the ghost of someone. But then when you when you work that shit out yourself, it feels so much better. But also. If that leaderboard didn't exist, like I would just get, I'd get an ace score and I'd be like, yeah, cool, fair enough. Uh, well, I aced it, moving on. But it goes deeper, right? Like it's not enough to get an ace, right? Uh, it's not enough to get an ace because fucking Ed from gameshub.com, he fucking, he did it in 11 seconds and I got an ace with like 16 seconds. He cut five seconds off my fucking time. Get the fuck out of here. That's not going to happen. I'm going to fucking destroy that time. And then you change how you look at the entire fucking level. You, like it, it. And what I noticed was like later on, I wouldn't have like, and I said, I, I said this in my review. Oh God, that's my catchphrase. Um, but I, I said in the review that I noticed that over time people stopped playing and my theory was that the visual novel aspect killed the flow so much that they would go into the next sequence and they wouldn't be in that, that flow state anymore and they would find it difficult to re-enter it. Um, but that actually, like by the final levels, there are only two people on my fucking leaderboard, me and one other person and I was I was like smashing their time I, I was first place on my friends list at least uh immediately right and I'm like all right well that kind of sucks because now I don't know what time I should be trying for and I could jump on the world score and I'd be in like 3000th place but that it doesn't have the same fucking gravity to it it doesn't like draw me in the way seeing my friends times were and what i sort of realized was i had become i'd become what my friends were to me you know like i was now putting up times that they would have to somehow beat but the trade-off is that i would not have those times to beat myself and that's it's you know it's bittersweet I guess, right? It's it's cool, but also I wish I wish I could go back and you know, I I wish I had all those times to fucking to smash, right? I'm I I'm unlikely to go back into the game because I get really obsessive about it. Um I get like really stuck on trying to shave just fractions of seconds off. So, yeah, I'm like, this is why I didn't fucking play Pronty because I got neon white as well. And I'm like, eh, 
Bronte's, you know, interesting, and I'm sure I'll get more movement, but I feel like a fucking a surf god over here. It's interesting. Like, I was thinking about this, because they've got this, um, there's this water, and when you're on the water, you move faster. And so, like, one of the first things that you can do to immediately, like, do better times is stop jumping when you're on the water. And that's actually kind of counterintuitive, like, immediately, because your initial, like, I don't know, I've always generally jumped to move faster places, uh, because you know the bunny hopping fucking worm that lives inside my brain that is like if you can bunny hop you'll move faster than anyone else uh, and so now I jump fucking everywhere even in games that don't have fucking bunny hopping which is most of them you just jump places right because um, wh- why not I hate it when I can't jump in a game uh, but in this yeah, this, this sort of this glass water floor thing, you move so much faster when you're in contact with it. And so it is, it's in your best interest to stay on the ground and to actually make contact with it as fast as humanly possible. There's a level really early on where you are like your first instinct is sort of go straight ahead and try to jump up over the wall as fast as humanly possible, but the far, way faster method is to take a step to your fucking right because there's glass water thing like floor there and you will slide forward and then you jump at the very last fucking second uh to to do it and yeah it's actually way faster like a a a near full second faster to do that than to to do what you would normally think was was the correct play stepping sideways instead instead of stepping forwards is actually faster and that's yeah that's unlikely it's it's not something you would think and some of the like some of the paths with this glass floor are sort of curved and slanted on the side and so there's an element of uh i guess uh mental measurement like height measurement right where you try to work out if where on this on this glass floor you need to be uh, because you want to be as close to the inside track as possible but it might not give you enough elevation to make a jump and so you need to like make the mental calculations as you're making your jumps and stuff like that but yeah the way that they're slanted sort of reminded me of surfing in counter-strike and it was i was confused like i i was interested why we never saw like, why was surfing sort of relegated to weird custom maps of Counter-Strike? I, like, I, it's very it's very high skill uh, and, you know, a very high skill floor and a very high skill ceiling, but it's entertaining. It's fun. Um, yeah, there's definitely something something to that. Like, I'm, I'm interested. It's interesting to me. This is not, just to be clear, you're not surfing. Uh, in the Counter Strike sense, uh, but just the the visual aspect of these slanted floors and you know the the reflective water aspect of it just mentally reminded me of surfing. Anyway, and yeah, and I just thought, you know, why didn't we see more of that? I don't know. It's odd. I think it's odd. Anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, you've got 
there's, there's so so much so much about this game that is just fucking fascinating. Uh, it's so well done. The levels are so fucking good. What they did was like like that rocket launcher ex, uh, experience I, I talked about before. What was fucking amazing there is that they clearly they'd clearly gone down the same fucking thought train that I had, and then created a solution, like created a solution to my problem. Right, and there were probably other solutions to my problem. Right, like maybe I could fucking rocket jump my way up a wall or over a wall or something, and like cut out half the map or something like that. And there's all these little like things that the like little mental shifts that you make in Neon White, and when you make them, you you just make your your times are way faster and it's fucking cool i would recommend if you are going to play it uh, i would recommend going through each level uh in a mission getting through all the missions go for aces but don't necessarily try <clears throat> sorry don't necessarily try to get the top score immediately I would recommend going through and going through all the missions and like, or sorry, going through all the, the stages in a mission and then going back because you can revisit missions whenever you want. I would recommend going back because one of the things it does is, is uh, the music. I don't love the music. Uh, one of the songs in particular I fucking hate. Uh, There's this one where they go, you've been dealt a bad hand and I fucking it made me turn the music off i gave up like i just couldn't fucking listen to them say you've been dealt a bad hand one more fucking time i was gonna fucking lose it right i don't love the music but there is something very cool uh for your flow state uh in the in the fact that when you replay via the mission hub when you play the missions uh back to back like play sorry the stages back to back in the course of a, a regular mission um there's a bit of separation between each and you can sometimes like sadly get visual no novel aspects between levels which is devastating which is why yeah but if you go back from the mission hub and play those stages you can actually just go for the best time on the first stage and then go to the next one and the music never stops playing and I know it's weird for that to be anything at all, but it's fucking phenomenal for keeping you in the fucking zone. You are fucking locked in because the music never fucking stops. Uh, and yeah, like, I mean, Bad Hand or Royal Flush. I think, I think that song is called Royal Flush because it also goes, Royal Flush! And I fucking hate that part too. But um, yeah, uh, apart from that song, yeah, the rest of it is is fine. But it's also, yeah, you fucking, you remain locked in the entire fucking way through. And it's amazing. Uh, turning off the music didn't impact my flow state in a negative way. Um, so I still managed to put up better times than literally everyone else on my fucking friends list. Get fucking clapped. But yeah. Uh, the music was definitely helping me uh, early on. And so I definitely recommend it. Also, one of the things is you learn so much about 
how you can do shit. Like it's it's monumental, uh, because like the game actively teaches you some shit. It'll teach you how to fucking you you like. There's there's a level like four levels in, and everyone on my fucking list. I, I got an ace and it was, I think it was, I skipped this level. I just could not fucking work it out. And I'm like, I'm, I'm four fucking levels, in, I'm four stages in this fucking game and I can't work out how to get even within a fucking sniff of these fucking times, right? Like it's, it's, it's as if I'm in a different class of vehicle, right? I'm riding my fucking e-bike and these cunts are all in fucking cars or some shit. Like, I am not even close. I cannot work this out for the life of me. Uh, and then, like, it wasn't until the next mission. The next mission actually, like, gets you... No, the last stage of the first mission, sorry, uh, gets, yeah, like, requires you to use one of your cards in a specific way. And if you use that card in that specific way on mission four, I think it's mission four. Oh, sorry, stage four. Uh, on stage four... Ah, uh, you can. That's how they fucking did it. That's how they were fucking doing it in the first place. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, you should play all of the fucking stages in the mission and then go back. And uh, the other thing you should do is press F when you're in the visual novel aspects, and you'll just fucking speed through all that shit, easy peasy. No worries. Don't worry about it. Uh, one thing to note is that you will get the bad ending if you do not get everyone's presence. And that means more visual novel stuff. I'll try and fucking chop that out. Let's see if I can fucking mark it like Lukey does. Um, yeah. Fucking, what was I talking about before I snorted my fucking brains out of my nose? God damn it. Oh, yeah, you'll get the bad ending if you don't get all the presents, but the presents require more visual novel shit. It's a bit rough, but there are some pretty cool levels uh, from presents. You get like, yeah, I think you get two levels per per person you get presents for. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe it's worth doing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's hard to fucking say. I think you can do it after you've gotten the bad ending because you can't del you can't start a new game without deleting your save, which I thought was really fucking weird. Because I wanted to showcase some of the visual novel stuff in my video. Uh, but I hadn't been recording it early on uh, and I was like, oh, I'll just make a new game, but no, no can do, not possible. So, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Um, this probably, yeah, this would be a, a strong contender for my game of the year if it wasn't for the fact that half the game doesn't work and I think is bad. Uh, not just in its writing, but also a bad pairing with the good part of Neon White. It'd be like fucking, I don't know, pairing fucking Sam Booker shots with your uh, Tuna Niswa or something. Like, I, I just don't think, two things that just shouldn't, shouldn't, don't go together. Not shouldn't go together, right? Shouldn't go together is, is peanut butter and, and chocolate. This is fucking peanut butter and pieces of dog shit uh yeah but if you like visual novels uh as i said in my review ding uh yeah you might actually find the visual novel aspect to be 
a decent respite from the the tension because it does get pretty tense. Like there, oh fucking uh, El Prez on my Twitter. I I like at the end of the as I said in my review. Uh, I said nobody's going to beat my times because they're not good enough. And uh, El Prez is on my friends list. Took that as a challenge. Put up this absolutely ludicrous time on the first level like unbelievable time spectacular like really fucking good and it took me literally 45 minutes to to beat it and this and bear in mind i was trying to beat a 15 second time it took me 45 fucking minutes and you can instantly restart this shit like instant uh maybe half a second at max so yeah i'm trying to beat 15 fucking seconds of some shit and i just i could not fucking do it it was crazy it was such a good time uh but eventually i did and uh and then i forgot the point i was i was trying to make about this so that's good good stuff i think i did actually sneeze some of my brain out when i sneezed just before you won't hear the sneeze because i'll hopefully have edited it out but i will we shall see. Anyway, uh, yeah. That's Neon White. I strongly recommend it. Strongly recommend it. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, let's do some news. Uh, here we go. First cab off the rank. I did. All, I wrote all the news down. I think he works on news, right? So normally he would have a good amount of news if there's good news to be had. But uh, but sadly, he ain't here. Uh, so let me just bring up the fucking the news because I'm bad at this. I fucked up. I fucked up. I did have yeah the first the first cab off the rank. Two games have release dates in November now. We have on November eighth, Skull and Bones. Uh, which was the the vaporware? Remember when we used to call things vaporware? Uh, vaporware Ubisoft pirate game based on the Black Flag ship combat uh, that was announced years and years ago, and then went into development hell, and then has resurfaced. And on November nine, God of War two, and God of War two was announced before Skull and Bones. So theoretically, Ubisoft would have had an opportunity to not send Skull and Bones to die. Um, they could have been like, "Oh shit, maybe we should like put it at the end of November, right? Maybe you know, it's a it's 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 a Sony first party uh, single player game. You know, they they take a couple of weeks. Um, if we put it up at like on the twenty eighth of November." There may be anyone at all will actually play Skull and Bones. But instead they were like, no, nope, we're sending it out on the 8th. And, uh, and now when it flops, uh, we can just say, well, you know, it was up against God of War. So that's okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Because I don't think it looks bad, but uh, I don't think it looks good either. I don't think it looks like it's doing anything that, Sea of Thieves hasn't already really done. 
it's 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 PvPve pirate shippery. Uh, you don't get to like there's like shipboarding, but it's it looks like it's done in a cutscene. Uh, like based on they they had like a presentation today, that didn't look good. Uh, the the shipboarding aspect. Uh, apparently that's the the way you get the majority of like the loot. If you just sink them, you only get a bit of loot. But if you board them, you get more loot. But yeah, that was all cutscenes. Um, you are on foot when you go to settlements, but that's the only time. Uh, otherwise, you're just controlling the ship. Uh, I don't know. The ships look really weird, like from a graphical, like not graphical, but like a fucking perspective, like size perspective. Like, I don't know. There's some really big ones and some tiny ones. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just odd. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet strongly on Skull and Bones winning that week. That's, that's what I got for you. Uh, God of War Ragnarok though, November 9, I'm fucking pumped. I am excited. I cannot wait. Uh, I love me. I love God of War 1. Um, this, this one, it looks sick. Uh, and I'm excited for more of that gameplay too. Um, yeah, more of the gameplay, more of the story. Yeah, I think they've really turned that series around. So I, I don't know, I enjoyed God of War before, but I didn't really care. Like, I, I didn't get hyped about it, but I'm hyped about Ragnarok. Uh, what else we got? They got, oh, they're making a Robocop game. Um, the people who made Terminator Resistance are making a RoboCop game. Um, I haven't played Terminator Resistance, but Nate reckons it's really good. Every time I go to fucking check it out, right, it's fucking 56 bucks though. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I've played too many bad fucking Terminator uh, games to to really go for that. So I, I just can't bring myself to do it. Not for that price. I didn't see it on sale. I've got it on my wish list and I didn't see it go on sale. Maybe I just fucking scroll down far enough or something. Steam's wish list. It's just not a good system. I don't know. I feel... Steam's not great. Steam's still not great. Anyway, Robocop Rogue City. Uh, you can wish list it uh, now. Um, June... 2023 it's coming so that's fucking ages away but it looks pretty fucking cool like really cool action and shit and robocop's usually pretty cool um you know it's a cool ideal uh might be worth a rewatch haven't watched it in fucking forever why not why not it's got real 80s aesthetic in that fucking trailer so it's got me feeling ways um, Forspoken is delayed to 2023. Forspoken is that cool looking fucking, um, RPG, uh, type game, uh, where you're sort of, you know, a, uh, like modern person taken to a fantasy land or whatever. Um, but you've got special powers, I guess. Uh, I, I think it looks cool as shit, but it is January 24th. 23 23 now so um yeah 
That's a. If actually, actually, if I'm being honest, um, I thought it was already a 2023 game, so I'm not that disappointed. Uh, yeah, kind of. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not that surprised. That's what I thought was happening already. Business as usual, I guess. Um, and that's all the news I found because I didn't look very hard. So that's what you got. Let's have a look at these questions. That's Heath. Fridge Monster Man writes, Hi Luke, hi Job. When reviewing a game, do you ever intentionally play the game wrong or try to break the game just to see what happens? Fuck yeah, all the time. Uh, like, you got to play it the default way, in my opinion. you got to play it the default way at first. And then you got to see what you can fucking do. And uh, seeing what you can fucking do involves doing your best to break the game. Um, we call it, uh, me and Nate and Luke have like a phrase for it uh, where like we'll, we'll be like, oh, yay. hey, did you know you can do blah, blah? They clearly haven't cunt tested this game. All right, and we call it cunt testing because it, it's always like the cuntiest thing you can do. Uh, we always find the shittiest things you can do in these games and we'll fucking, we'll do them. And it breaks the game and we get away with some shit. And then, yeah, uh, you don't, like it doesn't, I don't think you use it to impact your review. It, it's sort of like, it colors the review, but it isn't the the uh, essence of the review, right? Like it's sort of like, you got a hint of this, it's, it's good to know that a reviewer has gone far enough as to fucking work out the ways that you can break something. But, uh, yeah, you, like, you don't want to criticize the game because you can fucking break it. Unless, unless you can do it, like, by default, right? Like... Spec Ops the Line is getting a, was getting a lot of press uh, a week or two ago uh, because it was like 10 years since it came out. And I remember having a very low score. Well, not like a very low score compared to everyone else who was fucking losing their shit over this game. But one of the things that happened in that game, right, uh, was I quickly determined during the course of the game, uh, you there's a moment where you have to um, use white phosphorus mortars on an area. And uh, I very quickly determined that I was being baited. I was being set up, right? Like I they talked about it and there were people somewhere in the area and I wasn't going to use the white phosphorus uh, on, on an area because I was, I figured there were civilians there. So I didn't want, I didn't want to kill the civilians. Right. And uh, then apparently I hit the civilians with my mortar anyway, and I killed them, which I thought was horseshit. Right. Uh, I thought, I thought it was 100% bullshit. And so I very carefully went back through the game, went back to that level and painstakingly made sure that under no circumstances could I have hit those civilians uh, and then uh, the game wouldn't progress until I killed the civilians. 
which I think, like I still think to this day, is a critical flaw in the game game's design because uh, the way it plays after that is it's very, look what you've done. How could you do, do this? You're a monster. But I was never given a choice at any point. And I, like you know, I've talked about before how if my choices are to not play a game at all or to play a game and then do something monstrous, that's not that choice isn't on me. Like the the like I do not believe on a fundamental level, this isn't fucking this isn't war games, right? There are no stakes here, right? There are no real stakes. Right, so this isn't the fucking movie war games where the only way to win is to not play, right? Uh, and I'm not trying to prevent a real nuclear war. What's going on here is I am being fucking, I am being blamed for the actions of the game itself, right? And that rubs me the wrong way. But once you notice, and I had an inkling that this was the case before. I wrote my review and then I went back and tested to see if this was true. But once I noticed that this was the case in my initial playthrough, uh, I was I was on high alert for this to happen again. And so I was able to like sort of, the game sort of broke as a result um, because it relied pretty heavily on the player not anticipating the tricks that it was about to pull, but they were very obvious. Like once you know that it, it's trying to pull tricks on you, the tricks are signposted quite early on. Um, so yeah, that's, I think Spec Ops is a pretty good example of, of that in action. Um, yeah, I went back and I tried to break the game to see if it could be broken or see if I had accidentally broken it already or if it had cheated me or anything like that. Heavy Rain's another great example. Went back through, there's the car, the car sequence the, where you've got to like drive the car erratically and it's just a bunch of quick time events and I went back and tested and I can't remember the exact percentage but uh, I believe you only needed to hit one or two of the quick time events to actually succeed in that scenario uh, which is a woeful amount and uh, and it sort of creates this situation where, uh, like, it 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 creates this scenario where none of your fucking actions really matter. Like, you even your even your quick time inputs don't actually matter, and that's a I think a, a big deal. And you know, obviously, heavy rain cheats further with the I went eh, yeah fuck it the fucking private investigator is the fucking bad guy. You play as him and the game specifically shows you a different version when you are playing as him, uh, shows you a different version of the events that actually happened, which is horseshit because it is a violation of the fucking connection between the player and the player character. Um, it's a bullshit fucking narrative cheat and fuck that shit. Like, um, but no, the car chase sequence is where I went back to test if I could break it. Uh, the climbing up the hill earlier as well is another area where you could deliberately test how sloppy that system was. Anyway, 
Good question, FMM. We've got grey squirrel rights. Like, for example, if it's a team game, do you go out of your way to make your teammates feel like garbage? Or, uh, like, when... That's a good question, Scrub. I, I don't think I... I don't think I go out of my way to do it. Like, going out of my way to make my feel, teammates feel like garbage, I would say them falling off a boat or jumping off a boat, however you want to describe it, and then you watching and saying nothing and doing nothing while they drown, that would be a way. You'd have to go out of like your way. That would be going out of your way to make them feel like garbage, I think. So I don't do it, but... I know some people do. Good question, Squirrel. Um, that is it. Cool. Um, all the questions, all the stuff. We are finito. Um, have I got anything to plug? I watched We Own This City on the weekends uh, when I wasn't mainlining Neon White. Uh, it's pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I think John Bernthal is fucking awesome. Uh, he's a great actor, but yeah, loads of great actors in it. Really interesting story, fucked, like fucked up story, really messed up. It's another David Simon from, uh, joint, the the digital the wire, and it's set in Baltimore again. Uh, it's I think it's it's not a hundred percent like uh, it does this time jumping thing that I didn't really like. It's a bit all over the place. I, I don't know. I don't think it helped tell the story in any meaningful way. So if you find yourself fucking lost after the first episode, it does get better, and it does come together by the end. And it's only six episodes long, but fuck me, it's rough, rough. So yeah, check that out. I reckon, and also go to the gapodcast.com. Check out my neon white review. Uh, and, um, yeah, you can also watch, uh, it on YouTube. If you're playing Neon White and you want to see some good strategies for some decent times, maybe not world record times, but definitely the times that I currently have on most of those levels, um, yeah, you should watch the YouTube video. Um, that's about it. And go to, uh... Was it doublexp.com to check out Lukey's stuff? I don't know what he's written or if he's done anything this week. I'm sure. Well, no, I don't think he's... I don't know if he's written anything this week. Uh, obviously, he's done stuff. Um, yeah. And that's about it. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us. That helps other people find us. Apparently, I have no idea. Uh, email us at the geopodcast at gmail.com. Um, I, I, don't, I actually don't have the password for that anymore. So it would just be Luke that you'd be emailing there. Just hit me up on Discord, right? Um, be a fan on Facebook or Twitter. We had a pretty interesting interaction uh, when someone compared the GA podcast to Old Navy, which I assume means they think we are the pants company and not a podcast mostly about video games. So that's pretty cool. Uh, love to see it. Head to our website, thegeopodcast.com, where you can see my review of Neon White or more episodes of this podcast. Uh, and join us on Discord, thegeopodcast.com slash Discord. Um, we play games. We were playing fucking Hell at Loose last night, getting close to getting back into uh, PUBG. 
Uh, I've, you know, I played a couple of games. I'm excited for this new map, Destin. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. I like the idea of skyscraper gameplay and stuff. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and yeah, and we chat about stuff. We play fucking. There's a new, there's a new Wordle variant called Actoral. Uh, it's pretty fucking tricky. Holy shit. Uh, it's a, it's a brain wrinkler. I enjoy that. I enjoy that enough. Um, and yeah, um, that's about it, I guess. Um, oh, go to patreon.com slash the GA podcast and, uh, join us on Patreon if you want. Uh, and if you've got the money to spare, um, patrons get the podcast a little bit earlier. Uh, obviously, uh, this week, you won't get it before Friday because today is Friday. But um, yeah, when we are close to our regular schedule. This week, by the way, the reason we didn't go out on Wednesday is 100% my fault. Um, I, I fucked this up. I went and saw Thor, Love and Thunder on the Wednesday. I actually thought that Luke would go and see Thor, Love and Thunder on the Wednesday. Because um, he always see, like he's always on the fucking premiere date for those movies he loves his fucking marvel movies um but he didn't didn't make it this week so uh yeah that sort of fucked us up and if i had known that he wasn't going i would have picked a different day in part uh if if some butts were something and something what else <clears throat> so this is entirely my fault and i i'm very sorry uh Nevertheless, if you do want to, you can subscribe to us on Patreon, and um, we like deeply appreciate everyone who does that. It is so so good. It helps us like cover the cost of the server for all the fucking hits and stuff, or all the downloads, and uh, yeah, keeps the lights going. Lights going, lights on. Uh, anyway, we love our patrons. Thank you so much. We love all our listeners, and. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Hit me up on Twitter at Joby Jojo. Um, and I think that's all I've got for this week. Um, yeah, look after yourself. Stay safe. I know a couple of people who got COVID. Uh, I've been reading on a Discord, you know, some of you got COVID. Fucking lots of fluids. Mad fluids. Mad fucking electrolytes. That's my fucking pro tip. And uh, cowboy movies. Or... Yeah, cowboy movies. I'm going to go with cowboy movies. Yeah. Truck movies, maybe. Jewel. Um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, fucking James Kahn passed away. How fucked is that? He was awesome. Maybe watch The Godfather. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it. Um, catch you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.